You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. It's one of the central themes of all of God's Word, but especially in the New Testament. And you've heard this theme before. You've heard this biblical theme, and it's, it's an expectation that's on your life. It's an expectation that's on my life. It's one of the reasons why we have a lot of the conversations that we have. It's one of the reasons why people will challenge you in certain areas. But it simply says this. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. It's amazing as I was studying this because of all the different ways it shows up in in each one of the Gospels, uh, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, but we're going to land in particular in Matthew chapter 25. But it also shows up in Paul's writings when he talks about the spiritual gifts and the way that God bestows his gifts on people. And there's a concept there that, that because you have been gifted, the way you use that is extremely important. It also shows up in First Peter uh, where he talks about the aspect that because you've been gifted to use these things well. Uh, it, I mean, it's throughout, even in the Old Testament. It shows up quite a bit when it comes to King David and King Solomon. And because these people have been put in charge of the many, that there's something that was required of them. And you know, in church life, in faith-based living, it's one of the things that we probably have the biggest issue with because we don't know how to handle it. Like when people say, too much is given, much is required. If you're like me, you go, so please define much. Because I don't know about you, but depending on what you're looking at in my life, I don't necessarily put myself in the much category. And, and I don't want to spend a lot of time dwelling on that, but I just want you to know that if you're in this room and you're taking breaths, world perspective, you've got much. Yeah, and, and all of us hit those. So what do we do about that? Well, let me kind of set the stage. The scripture starts in Luke. Luke, the first one I want to read, where we get this central theme And it's at the end of one particular verse in Luke, verse 48. And it says very simply this. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to they have entrusted much, they will demand the more. Now that's one place that it shows up. I'm going to go through each one of them very, very quickly to get to the point of today's message. But what's going on here to give you the backstory is this is a story that's being told in Luke where it's talking about the master has left for this wedding feast. He's left the wedding feast and he's went and traveled and the master has put people over his house. And he says, and he's going to return. And when he returns, what will he find the people that he's putting over the house doing? How are they treating the slaves? How are they taking care of their responsibilities? How are they leveraging their influence? Now, we can know very quickly, if we've spent a lot of time in this, what it's referring to is that of the second coming of Christ and the fact that he has left this earth and he has put people in charge. You say, well, wow, that's cool. Who has he put in charge? You. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want you to know that you've been put in a situation to be in charge of the house. What's the house? Well, if you look at it as the church, or it also could be looked at as, as humanity or this world. But there is a day that he's going to come back. And one of the things to think about is, well, how in the world are you treating those people? How are you leveraging your influence? That's one way that this aspect of, of to much, much is given, much is required shows up. 
Another way it shows up is in the book of Mark, and it's, it's really a, a one that we use quite a bit because of a little song we learned as a child. But it talks about this, For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And that's Mark chapter 4, verse 25. And to put this in perspective, it's talking about the person that's been given the ability to have the light. This is where we get that question. You know, in Matthew, we, we write a little song about it. But it talks about a light and being put on a lampstand. And it asks the question in the previous verses. Surely you're not going to have a lamp and put it under a bushel. No, you're going to put it up on a lampstand. And it talks about this word of manifest, to bring light or to enlighten people. And this concept, as far as to what the much is given, more is required, is the concept that when you have what is enlightening, why would you hide that? When you have what brings truth to the situation, why would you hide that? But the one I want to focus on that really intrigued me the most is actually in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 25, and if you don't mind, it's a little bit long, but I'd like to read the whole parable just to kind of give you an idea of what's going on in this particular scripture. It starts in verse 14. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. Verse 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had the person with two talents come forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. For you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Then verse 24. He also who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here is what is yours. But, this mas but his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. And then here's these scriptures again, verse 29. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But then he answers what those that don't have. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast into the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, there's a major biblical truth that's throughout God's Word, and it's this aspect, and, and I don't necessarily grasp it, but today I want to try to get a little bit of, of more of an understanding of it, but there's a concept that, that what you have will dictate what's to come depending on the way you use what you have. Like there's always this concept that no matter where you're at in life, you can't start settling because no matter where you're at, 
there's always more that's required. To what much is given, much is expected. To where more is given, more is required. And I want to just look at this parable of the talents to try to get a little bit of a biblical understanding of exactly what it is God is saying to help us move forward. Because I think one of the greatest opponents, for lack of a better word, of success is not hardships. Hardships, I think, actually motivate you. It will challenge you. It will make you refocus. It will make you examine. In James, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face various trials, because that will be the perfection of your faith. But I think what really causes us to struggle with success is when we are successful. I think when we're successful, we start trying to think about, wow, look at what's going on. Look at, and we get in this lull, and we don't challenge what's in our lives. We don't keep moving forward. And so this is a story that goes about, and I will give you some scriptures to go through, but obviously you have three different characters. Obviously Jesus identifies them in the very beginning of the story that he gives them the talents based on what their abilities are. Now the amazing part is as we define these abilities, they weren't abilities like physical abilities. They were more of a mindset in who they were as a person. I believe that God has a way of constantly changing that. If we look at Daniel's story, Daniel chapter 6, he put Daniel in charge of the multitude, not because of his abilities, but because of his exceptional character. And I think our character will always dictate our abilities that will follow. And so don't think about abilities being, well, see, Mickey, that's it. That's the reason why I don't do a whole lot, because I don't have that ability. Listen to me. The major ability that God wants you to have that's going to lead to the more is availability. Like that's the only ability that you've got to have. You've got to have the ability to be available. Lord, I am here, use me. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6. In Luke, he talks about the harvest is plentiful. It's the workers that are few. Throughout God's word, not, is there a consens- not only is there a consistent aspect of this biblical central truth to where much is given much is going to be required but there's this other biblical truth that goes along with it that the much always started with some sort of a humbleness and availability that when we make ourselves available then and only then can God really move in our lives because when we do it out of our own aspect we have a way of of jacking things up We have a way of starting to be prideful and taking credit. And Scripture tells us very clearly, pride comes before the fall. And so God wants to lift you up, to to manifest his love through you to other people. But the question is, well, how is he going to do that? Well, I think he gives us some major things here that I want us to look at. And rather than talking about how to, let's first look about how not. You had two out of the three that did a really good job. One was just, he just blew it. But if you look at it, I believe the one is where most of you are going to identify with. Here's a guy that was given one talent. He goes, wow, I don't have as much as everybody else. I need to be real careful here. Like, I've only got one shot at this. I mean, it's kind of like going up into a baseball game and going up to the plate. And the guy says, okay, just for you, you don't get three strikes. You get one. So you better make it count. And all of a sudden, the pressure. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my goodness, I, I don't have this. You know, we look at people that have five, people that have two, people that have more and go, well, yeah, it's easy to, to be more faithful when you got more because you got more to kind of put on the line where you have a way. 
but I've only got one, and, and once I lose this, I'm done. See, here's the way Scripture puts it. Are you ready? It's in verse 25. He says, here you have what it is. I'm sorry, back up. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. And then verse 25. So I was afraid. I think most people struggle with what God's expectation is for their life because they live in a spirit of fear of who God is. Now, you'd say, well, Mickey, Scripture says very clearly, you know, fear the Lord. Like it's one of the things, like it says, do not be afraid in nothing. Do not be anxious about where you should eat or drink or what you should wear. If I take care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, how much more will I take care of you? But there's also the Scripture that tells us very much that there's a reverence or a fear of the Lord that we should have. But it's not a fear like, oh, I'm afraid something's going to happen. It's more of a respect because I know who he is. And see, that's what happened with this person with the one talent. They confused who God was based on what they perceived or assumed. We all know what assuming does. Rather than who God was based on who he truly was. See, that's what's amazing. In verse 24, it says, I knew you to be a man. But it says a hard man who sowed seeds where and scattered and reaped where he did not sow or scattered seeds where, where nobody else did. Like he was a hard worker. He confused somebody that was willing to take it to all kinds of other places as somebody as being hard or brutal or tough. Like a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but as you grow up, you start to realize, you know that day when you realize like that your dad's like human? I don't know about you guys, but, you know, like, like I grew up, and, I mean, I was one of those kids that, like, my dad whooped your dad, you know? One of the things I told my kids growing up was, like, please don't say that. <laughs> yeah? But, yeah, you're like, oh, my dad's Superman. My dad can do it. And then all of a sudden you get older and you start realizing, you know, dad's just like, like, he's, he's human. Like, like, he hurts just like everybody else hurts. Like, he struggles like everybody else struggles. I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of times we struggle so much when, when, a, when a father passes away, if we have a relationship with him, is because we have this expectation like, like he's invincible. And it's a big, huge reality in the fact that, you know what, we all end the same way. Script, scripture tells us that we all are going to die. But we have in our minds like this expectation that, that somebody's bigger than that. Maybe it wasn't a father figure. Maybe it was a grandfather. Maybe a grandmother. Maybe a mom. I don't know who it is for you. But there's somebody that you've put on such a, a concept. Like they're just so much bigger. They're bigger than life. They have more capabilities. Like they don't have issues. They don't have struggles. But they do. And we misunderstand who they are. And we start putting attributes on them that are not really attributes they deserve. That's what this person did in the one talent he says you're a hard man but you know what the reality was he wasn't at all he wasn't at all hard the reality is he's very kind and very loving he was very generous he was leaving and he turns around and says here let me give you some talents let me give you some abilities let me give you some worth let me give you some money let me not leave you in a situation where you don't have the ability to take care of yourself i'm going to invest in you so that while i'm gone you can supersede where you currently are where you can go get more 
And when I come back, then all you got to do is give me back what I gave you. Now, it doesn't take long to realize that this, too, is another parable that God is using that's talking about the second coming of Christ. And if you want to ask what the talents are, he's talking about your life. Some people only have a few years. Some people have 20 years. Some people have 30 years. Some people have 40 years. Some people have 60 years. Some people have 70 years. Some people have 80 years. And you know what? He's just as consumed with the teenager that passes away and the life that they live as he is the 80-year-old that passes away and lives his best life towards the end. Like there's never a time that he's not requiring more because of the much that he's given. And so we realize that, number one, what he's talking about is, is an aspect of generosity. What he's talking about is an aspect of, of being able to know him. Not just, I knew of you, but to actually know him, to know his heartbeat, to know who he truly is. But there's also a concept of an expectation that he expects you to bring more back than where you started. You say, Mickey, how does that look in my spiritual life? Well, I'm going to try to say this as polite as I possibly can. God did not pursue you for his spiritual legacy to stop with you. Like God's great vehicle and scheme of taking salvation to the world wasn't so that he could just like, whoa, man, you were the one. Like the whole purpose was just to get it to you. And now that it's to you, we can stop. His purpose was to get it to you because he knew how amazing you are and how you could take it to somebody else. So let's look at the two guys that did something. Five talents and two talents. These two guys did something amazing. And one of the things we realize is, is a couple of attributes. Number one, they were willing to take a risk. If you read the beginning of the story, it says immediately they started investing or trading. They immediately started saying, you know what? It's not really mine to begin with. So you know what? I'm going to take care of it, but I'm going to take a risk with it. I'm going to trust the things that have been poured into me and the things that I know, I'm going to trust what, who I am and who God's called me to be. And I'm going to leverage these influences, not for my own gain, but to actually invest and do something with it. I'm willing to take a risk. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you did something risky? I mean, I, I know a lot of people that when it comes to their faith, man, I, you don't understand, Mickey, I... I mean, like, I, I, I get in my little zone, like, a, man, right here, man, I, I know I can be obedient right here. Like, I got all these guardrails and protections in my life and accountability and all, because I know that right here, I am really good. When's the last time your faith in Christ took you out here? When's the last time you took this group that you were accountable and that, that you were doing life with and that you were having like you're moving forward, you're in God's word, and, and you said, you know what, I'm not going to stay out here long, but for a little while I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to be risky to see if I can come back here and have a few more talents. I'm going to step out here to see if when I come back here there's a few more that come back with me. I'm going to step out here and come back into this circle so that I can see who can come. When's the last time you had a conversation 
about who God was. Well, Mickey, you don't understand. I'm worried at my work. You know, you say something, you get fired. I guess. But for most of you, I know, when did that ever stop you? Yeah, there's a lot of things you could talk about that could get you fired. But you still talk about them. Around the water cooler or around the lunch pail. There's a lot of things that are a whole lot more devastating than your relationship with Christ. But you still talk about those things. You know, another thing that we noticed is not only was this major concept going on where you got to be willing to start as far as being able to take a risk, but I want you to know where the starting point is. Like this is going to, a lot of you are going to leave here frustrated with this one concept because it starts with a little. See, most people enter life and they say, you know what, Megan, when I get the more, trust me, I am going to be generous with the more. I'm going to set my life up to learn to live on a little so that when the more comes, I'll be generous with the more because I've learned how to live on the little. And God says, no, I want you to be faithful with the little. Actually, I want you to be generous with the little. Two times he answers these servants. Once is in verse 21, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. You have been faithful over a little. See, here's what's amazing to me. In our American dream mentality, we are always pushing for something more. Like we think that there's a house that's big enough, a car that's nice enough, a truck that, oh, yeah, that's it, that's great. It's, I, mean, it, I mean, this is perfect. I, need, I mean, everything, we've got to have more. We've got to have more. We've got to have more. And we have a concept that we feel like that when we get with the more, I've literally heard people tell me this, but, Mickey, if this works out, man, am I going to be able to use this for God? And what I want to challenge you guys with today, and I don't want to beat you, like we're all on this journey together, but I want to ask you, what if it doesn't work out? Like what if God's got you in a place right now where he's wanting you to understand that where you're sitting right now is where he dwells and where the gateway of the more is. When you're faithful with the little, then he can entrust you with the more. Because if you can't be faithful with the little, then he doesn't have an expectation to give you more. That's what he was talking about when he says, you know what, to each of their abilities. To the five, he gave five, and he returned five. To the two, he gave two, and he returned two. To the one, he knew. I'm only going to give this guy one. Why? Because I know he ain't going to do nothing with it. I mean, think about that in our life. The other thing we realize is, and what I wrote down is, is not only does it start with a little, not only does it require you taking chances, but I also want you to understand, and this is another just amazing point. You're like, this is so encouraging. Glad it's spring break and not everybody's here because they would leave here frustrated. But you know the other reason why most people don't end up with this amazing concept of more? It requires work. You know, most people say, yeah, I just want to, yeah, like, here, you gave me one, I buried it. You come back, here's your one back. But the other one, it required some work. It required taking some risk. It required going out there and doing something with it. It required honing it in. 
Like some of you guys have amazing abilities and should be serving on some amazing dream teams. But the reason why you don't is because you're like, well, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of work <laughs> moving forward. That's what we're talking about when we say, you know what, to what much is given, much is required. And it's going to take work. It's going to take work. And so what's the point of all this? Well, I want to get to the point because I think it's important. Both situations, he looks at these guys. He says, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And then I want you to notice how he ends. He says, enter into the joy of your master. I think a lot of people, we talked about this last week. Everybody starts with a need because we have this eternal thing that's put in our, in our souls, in our body, in our heart. It leads us, depending on how we handle that need, to end up having a have-to moment. I have to do something about this. This is about to kill me. And if we long there long enough and we really start to pursue Christ, we go from doing things out of a have-to where all of a sudden it's crazy. We want to. Like, we, we get up and we say, no, I, I want to do this. I want to serve God. I want to love him more. I want to do these things. And that's what he's talking about when he says, you know what? Enter into the joy of your master. Listen to me. Where you started will bring you joy. But where you end will be where the joy resides. You know, that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm not so quick to try to figure out where are we going to land as a church? And when I say I, I mean like a multitude of people. You have elders and you have leadership. When we are looking at that, because I'm worried to death that I think one of the worst things we could do is go find a property and build a building and everybody be like, woo we did it. Did what? Have a building? I think the joy of what we're doing, the joy of our master, is not that one day we're going to end up in a building. The joy that's going to cause our master to look down on us and say, man, those are my people. Those are my dudes. Those are, I mean, like, that's my ladies. Like, look at what I'm doing. Look at how they're doing it. It's not because of a building that we're going to, but as much as the way we're handling the little. And because of the way you're handling the little, you know what God's doing? He says, man, now let me send you more. Let me send you more. Let me send you more. And you say, well, Mickey, what do I do with it? You get plugged in. And you realize that every time the more shows up, you know what? More is required. Do you know this fits every aspect of your life? Financially, it fits it. Emotionally, it fits it. Mentally, it fits it. Relationally, it fits it. Like, there's never an aspect of your life. Like, some of you guys are in business. Let me help you out. If you are trying to get to this American dream of the more, be faithful with the little. You know who one of the most precious people in most businesses, in fact, they'll frame it, is that person that came and spent their first dollar. And the way you treat that customer. And I think one of the reasons why you see these places that decline and fall off is because they get, they, they get blindsided. They start thinking that it actually is about making money and they forget what their purpose is because every business has this amazing purpose. And they've leveraged that purpose to create a business that they're going to offer a need and they're going to compensate them with some sort of reimbursement for that need. 
You say, Mickey, what's that got to do with the church? Well, I think the church sometimes has forgotten what its purpose is. Our goal is not to be the biggest. Our goal is not, well, we need people's money. Our goal is not to have a large building. Our purpose is to make sure that everyday ordinary people know that there's a place that wants to be life-giving. And that we're going to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. And let me tell you the key to that. You. So can I challenge you? Whether you feel like you got 1, 2, 5, 10, 25, 30, no matter where you're at, can I encourage you to step out on a limb and say, hey, let's take some risk. Let's live in faith and do something bigger than ourselves. But can I also encourage us that in the process of doing something bigger than ourselves, that we never forget about the little. Let's be faithful with the little. Because the biblical standard throughout is that when you're faithful with the little, guess what? In your life, he's going to send you more. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.